This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Prophetic Collective. We are in the midst of a new series called Revival Reflections, which kicked off last week. And today I've got a very special friend with me who's going to talk about all things that are happening in the midst of this significant outpouring at my home church, Numa Church. Once again, let me just say God is moving all across the earth, but I'm only telling the stories that are from my life and my experience today. But we know God is moving wherever you are, and we'd love to hear about it. So subscribe, share get on socials, tell us what the Lord is doing. But today I want to talk about, I think the first thing (laughs) that I learned since God poured out his spirit, which is about the topic of flex, flex, everybody flex. As one of my heroes, Pastor Philip Hills has famously said, blessed are the flexible for they shall not snap. And my spirit is witnessing big time right now. That is going to get added to the message translation or paraphrase of Proverbs. And today, my friend is with me, our pastor, Joseph Samuel, who's the fivefold pastor at Numa Church Globally. He's coming back to the podcast. He did so well. I was like, let's get this powerhouse back. He is the fivefold pastor at Numa, and I couldn't think of anyone better than him who has had to really flex as the apostle and the prophet have set their sails to the wind of the spirit. So welcome back, Pastor Joe. It's good to be here. It's so good to have you back. And you grew up in the underground church in the Middle East as a PK, and then you worked for years in the aeronautical industry before coming on board as our fivefold shepherd. You're married to the most amazing woman, Blessy. I love her to bits. You've got two beautiful girls, Joy and Hope. And like me, one day we look forward to that reunion when we're reunited with some children in heaven. But Joe's so glad you're here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Such a joy and an honor and privilege to be with you all. And Stacey, First of all, let me just commend you for the good work you've been doing in this space. I know this was birthed in a season where everything was on screen. And when we came out of lockdowns and when we came out of our little home studio bubbles, um, you could have said, this is too hard. Let me stop this and do something else. I just want to commend you for uh, reaching out to the body far and wide with this uh, platform. So it's a blessing. Thank you, Joe. That means so much to me. It's funny, actually, because this year I've found it hard to find a podcasting rhythm. And so I'd said to um, the beautiful producer of this podcast, Jade, I'd said to her, yeah, I just don't know that God's on it. It feels so hard and fell into that old trap of if it's hard, it can't be God. And then I went on a ministry trip to another nation and all anybody talked to me about I didn't even know anyone was listening in that nation. All they talked to me about was, I don't have prophetic community. Your podcast has given me a family. And I was like, okay, little kick up the butt. Let's push through the hard. (laughs) Yes. So, Joe, I'm going to start with a small question because you know me well. I like to come in lightly. I'm subtle. I'm a ninja. How has your life changed since August 28? Awesome. Well, first of all, I think I have lost the mundane predictability of life yes, and everything that goes with it. But I think, let me sum up my entire experience in one line. 
I have given up cheerleading a dead horse called religion. Wow. Um, I feel I don't have to pump it and be, you know, I'm not called to rally to sustain it mm. when there is life and life in abundance and when life and life to the fullest is flowing like a river, I'm just called to run into it and jump into it rather than um, be a construction engineer to guide it or direct it. The river flows where the river wants to go. Mm. The wind blows where it wants to go. So I think that has been my biggest uh, experience. I feel like I have lived an entire life cycle in 11 months. <laughs> per you <know>? revival service. <laughs> yeah, because you have the, uh, when revival broke out, you have the initial wow factor. Mm. Then the dread sets in. Yep. Then the feeling of inadequacy, I don't think I'm <laughs> cut out for this. Then mm -hmm. the Lord meets you. Then you have a born-again experience. Then the fresh wind. Then the adaptation to new rhythms and being undone all over again during Revival Conference in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like it's not going around in circles like the Israelites did, yes. but it's more of a rhythm of John 15. If you remain in him, uh, you're not untouchable. Yeah. You grow, you bear fruit, you shed fruit, you dry mm -hmm. up, the Father prunes you, and then you spring new life and you bear more fruit once again. Yes, so. that's such a good way to describe it. We are living a lifetime per revival meeting. We repent, then we get rekindled, then we repent of something else. <laughs> it's all a joy. And you can have the joy moments and then everyone will be weeping and yep. All to the soundtrack track of kids running wild and all kinds of wonderful yep. things happening. But yep. this is why we've had to remain flexible because otherwise yep. if we'd been like, no, but it has to look this certain way, mm -hmm. we could have been like the Pharisees who missed the Messiah, couldn't we? Yep. Yeah. And that's why a group of 100 Pharisees with a 1,000 scriptures in their heart missed what a man possessed with a thousand demons had a revelation, you know. Oh, Joe. When, when Jesus went into that town, he said, son of God, why have you come to persecute us? And this guy is full of demons. Yeah. He understood who he was, yeah. but yeah. hundreds of Pharisees and religious people with tens of thousands of scriptures loaded in, they could spit out the whole, you know, the Torah, uh, but they missed that. And yes. so that's what religion does to you, whereas... Whereas relationship takes you to a completely different place of freedom. Yes, I'll talk about this for all my days, but particularly in this series about the Apostle Paul, how he was so well learned in the Torah. He grew up under Rabbi Gamaliel, who was like the best rabbi, like the rabbi of rabbis. Mm -hmm. And Paul grew up sitting at his feet and he was well known as being like upper class in terms of what he knew about the Torah and yet he persecuted followers of the Messiah. So he mm. missed him yep. until he had a face-to-face -face encounter on a road with Jesus himself and then yep. his life was completely transformed. And I feel like that's what's happened for us a bit, hasn't yep. it? Yes. What do you think if you could define like one thing because there's so many, what's been your biggest learning in the last year? There's a greater awareness of how much work needs to be done in me mm. the deeper you go in revival i think you come to a place like apostle paul where he said mm. i'm the chief of sinners i'm mm -hmm. the chief among sinners well if he took that title what title is left for us to take 
<laughs> and in the midst of that awareness of how how much of work yet needs to be done on the bride, you're also ushered in with the awe and wonder of recognizing how deep his love for us, yeah. how kind, how patient, how loving, and how long-suffering he is. Yes. And it's the tension of, or it's the, it's the contrast of the two, how much work needs to be done, and yet how patient God is. Yes. And I think that's been a big learning curve for me in the last one year. Yeah, I think for listeners who listen to this particular series of Revival Reflections, it could be quite confronting how real you hear all my guests be. I've recorded a couple of episodes today and you'll hear them talk about their weaknesses and their failures and their shortcomings because what's happened in us is all shame about that has been removed mm-hmm. and not in an insecure way but in a totally God-confident way of I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I was yesterday. And every day I'm being transformed more and more into his image. And the more I get to know him, the more I realize I know nothing and I desperately need him, right? Yep. And I look at this from the angle of a father. My little kid, my younger daughter, she has absolutely zero embarrassment to walk mm-hmm. in her nappies in the living room mm-hmm. with snot running down her <laughs> mouth and she's reaching for the snot with her tongue or walking around in a pooey nappy. Yeah. She has absolutely no shame. She has yeah. that no concept of that shame. Mm-hmm. Yet as we mature into adulthood, we hold it all in, <laughs> in the real sense. Let's hope so. <laughs> 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 because we are afraid of how this will make us look in the eyes of man. And I think one of the biggest freedoms that people walk in in revival is shame is broken. Yes. So you're not afraid to walk with snot running down your nose or, yeah. or a form of, uh, you know, embarrassment or nakedness hanging. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Not that word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Some form of nakedness before your father because if he loves you as a child, as a son and a daughter, and so you're free, happy to talk about it and be open to other people and that's real. That's the religion the father loves. Yes, absolutely. The relationship he died for. You know, I think about we have this gorgeous black shiny stage at our church and It's so interesting because after every revival service, you can walk around and there's patches where it's no longer shiny. And let's just say people have cried out lots of different things onto that platform, had holy moments with the Lord. And it's beautiful. The mess of revival is so beautiful as the Lord strips us back, strips us back, strips us back to make us more like him. And there's such a joy in it. Absolutely. Jojo, can you share a testimony of something you've seen God do in the last year that you've never seen him do before? Yeah, lots to pick from. One of the most significant ones was actually on the day revival broke out here at Numa Church, um, August the 28th, 2022. Mm. I was in the front ministering to uh, the leaders who were ministering to the wider body and the sound of uh, hundreds of people being set free at the same time. Now, there were hundreds of people probably screaming the fear of man breaking off them with an audible voice. Yes. Now, if you had no context of that, that would have been a scary soundbite. Mm-hmm. But as a shepherd, I stood there and I thought this is more beautiful than any orchestra because 
this is actually the sound of freedom. Yeah. This is the sound of the redeemer and the and the giver of freedom walking into the room and every chain being undone. Yeah. And so that was a big because it was audible. My senses were overloaded by that. Yes. That was something I'd never seen on that scale. And another testimony that if I could share would be Amy Mioni, who was my assistant, ministry assistant last year, right after Revival Conference, she shared a testimony with me. She walked up to a person and felt in her heart to share a specific word with a person and said, this week, midweek, the Lord will interrupt your work and you will do mm. just what the Lord says mm. and walked off. And lo and behold, this person was on a Zoom meeting like uh, this um, with her work colleagues when the Lord prompted her heart to get out of the Zoom meeting. So she messaged her boss on the side and said, is it okay if I go off video and just step out for some fresh air? Lo and behold, the short uh, version of this is, she gets off the Zoom meeting, gets in her car, and as she's about to open the door of the car, sees a, a gift she had bought for a friend ages ago. For months, it's been lying in the back seat. Um, she tries to ring her friend, cannot reach her, so she drives to her home, knocks on the door, and this friend walks out pale and shocked and says, what are you doing here? And she says, well, I bought a birthday present for you months ago, but I couldn't give it to you. So I just felt the Lord bringing me to your house. And so this woman breaks down and falls to the ground. And she's sobbing because, and she says to her friend, if you were 15 minutes late, I would have committed suicide. Wow. And the Lord's heart for this person, this lost daughter or this distant child, is the same as the father in the story, the prodigal son, waiting at the gates yes. with his eyes open towards uh, the prodigals. And because of revival, because of responding hearts, he could send them mm. to minister to this person. And that's what revival does. It brings a heightened sense of awareness yes. and a heightened obedience in human lives. Oh, Joe, that's so beautiful. And I love what you've talked about, this sensitivity to the Lord's voice that increases during a season like this. I want us to open the scriptures together for a moment before we really get into this topic of being flexible. Mm -hmm. In John 3, Jesus had a conversation with a Pharisee whose name mm -hmm. was Nicodemus, and it's actually taken on a whole new meaning for me in the last year as the Holy Spirit has really led us to abandon formula and run sheet to follow the Spirit. So let's read it together. This is John 3 verses 1 to 10. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time in, into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. 
You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Oh, Jesus, (laughs) meek and mild, not. He's like, come on, Nicodemus. You know, I think, Joe, a couple of things I want us to notice here, that we have to deal with our own inner Pharisee in this new season, which big lols. For me, this has actually looked like not having a box around the way the Holy Spirit can manifest. So I would say at the beginning of this season, Joe, there were some manifestations that were happening that got shut down very quickly because we were like, oh, is this decent and is this in order? And Holy Spirit came to me and said, whose order? Whose order are we following? Who are we following here? And reminded me of this passage that at times I have this inner Pharisee that judges the way that the Lord is working or the way the Holy Spirit is moving. And yet Jesus himself says, well, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can't control Mm -hmm. it. You can't put it within a box. And for Nicodemus, this was very difficult to understand because he was a man who lived by the law and by neat boxes. So he can't get his head around it. So where has your inner Pharisee shown up in this season? (laughs) Oh, my lanta. Where do I even begin? Um, Stacey, I first uh, in, saw revival in 1999. Mm-hmm. This was in Saudi Arabia. This is before the year 2000. Everyone thought Jesus is returning on the 1st of Jan 2000. Um, and there was <laughs> such an awakening. The Y2K was the big thing. Yeah, I was, was storing our- up cans of baked beans <laughs> in a basement, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so people were freaked out and there was this man of God evangelist who was, let's say, smuggled into the country to preach the gospel by my dad and a few others. And he preached the gospel from, he covered the entire book of Revelation. And revival broke out. Thousands of people got saved. We were baptizing people in barrels because hiring venues with swimming pools would raise suspicion. Now, 10 years later, in 2009, in the middle of the great financial crisis, there was a revival in Dubai where we met in a hotel room, in a ballroom uh, for 444 days in a stretch, no break. Wow. And when that happened, there were massive signs and wonders, yes, and then after that came the banners and the shofars and barefoot, barefoot worshippers. Bring it on. <laughs> and when all of that happened, in a normal church context, I, in my youth, I was still young. I mean, I'm still young, but I was less mature then when those two revivals happened. And I witnessed how my fathers or or the leaders of the church looked at that and had sort of a disdain for it Mm. because it smelt, um, you you know, it's like seafood. It's an acquired taste and people... (laughs) People just went like, oh, that's weird. We don't know anything about it. And it looks pretty indecent, so let it shut down. Mm -hmm. What it did to my heart is it it transplanted or imposed, superimposed a pharisaical spirit because I'm a child. I have not been discipled or raised to create room for it. Mm. So when I was growing as a young leader in church, I saw what my father's, how my father's viewed it. And therefore, that thing was superimposed on my heart. Mm. And then I began to see everything from that lens. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 2019, when when we had a massive outpouring of God during our closer conference, Mm -hmm. where 
the lights were all switched out and the only word that remained on screen was Jesus. Mm. I remember in my natural, I took my shoes off. I was serving on worship team with you. And I remember you remarking to me, oh, Joe, you are such a Jen Johnson to us. <laughs> and I took my shoes off because mm. it, it made no sense. Then we went through three years of lockdown and we assumed that a, a despot or, or a ruler of a state could somehow manage my relationship with God. Hmm. Now, all of this to say, when eventually a revival broke out, my natural body and my pharisaical spirit had many layers, many lenses. Yeah. And I was seeing God and this mighty move of God through the many acquired lenses of the many decades of discipleship being superimposed and various my own inhibitions. And, and what has come to the forefront is I've had to see the Lord with unveiled face. Yes, John. You cannot experience revival and you cannot be in revival with a veiled face. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even Moses, when he, when he went with the people, he had the veil on, but when he was with the Lord, he had to take his veil off. And that's been my biggest, and that's what the Lord had to bulldoze the Pharisee in me, mm -hmm. tearing the veil. He's done it before. He's not afraid to do it again. Mm -hmm. And, but you have to yield in. You have to yeah. say, Lord, tear that curtain from top to bottom that it can yeah. never be stitched up. And so the Lord in his kindness has gone over and over again and torn veil after veil, smashed lens after lens, so that I could begin to see him in his, in his beauty, in his splendor, what he was doing to his kids, what he was doing in our services, and created such a large room mm -hmm. for me to embrace and to yield to it and to yeah. serve it. Yes. Not just be a spectator. Yeah, that's beautiful, Joe. You know, it's funny because we've had a saying in our church. I'm going to be really honest here because people might be listening to this and going, well, actually, that church has gotten pretty weird. Yeah, love it. <laughs> we're um, that church. <laughs> yep. Well, we own it, right? Like it's not like we're trying to be weird. But if yep. we've seen something in heaven, we're going to bring mm -hmm. it to earth that's to the it. best of our ability. And I've seen visions of Jesus riding a horse with a big old flag in his hand. Yep. So I'm like, I'm about it. So we had this yep. saying in our church show, didn't we? You have permission, if anybody waves a flag in our church, you have permission to crash tackle them. This was the saying in our church yep. for quite a period of time. Yep. No bare feet and no banners. <laughs> right. So then in the lead up to conference this year, I'm watching Jesus Image online. And, and the Lord had started a work in me. I was speaking at a women's thing. There was someone with a flag with a lion on it. I got absolutely shifted, like was weeping at this flag. Yep. And I was like, don't look at it, don't look at it, don't look at it. Yep. It just wrecked me. So the Lord had started something there. So I'm watching Jesus Image in the lead up mm -hmm. to this conference and I'm seeing these white pieces of fabric being um, waved while they're mm -hmm. singing um, all hail King Jesus. Next minute I'm on the floor in my lounge room. And so I contact our pastor. I'm like, we have to get flags. Like we have to get them. And he was like, get behind me, Satan. 
And so then I start this conversation with him about I really feel like there's something for our church and this conference on the other side of us letting go of some things that we're actually too cool to have. Mm-hmm. And I said, so do you trust me? Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, but it has to be up the back. So we get these people to come with flags and then I have to break it to them, you got to be up the back. So yep. by up the back, I mean to the side of the stage. But the Lord said to me, just wait, because when it works, the only person who truly can promote it in this house is the head of this house and you have to submit. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, I'm worship leading. I see the flags on the side of the stage. It was magnificent. Mm-hmm. And then I see our senior pastor <laughs> come marching across the platform in front of me yep. and tell them to get up on centre stage. Yep. And something broke in our church, didn't it? Yep. It was glorious. <laughs> and and that was the session, that was the service. And I'm not saying the power is in the banners. No. But in abandonment. Yes. Abandonment is the key that uh, that opens you know, those doors where we can't enter on our own merit, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the one thing that always tries to ruin abandonment is reasoning. Yes. You're, where I have been, what I have seen mm-hmm. in my church back in the day, this mm-hmm. is how I did, blah, blah, blah. And and uh, <clears throat> this is our guideline. This is our policy. <laughs> so uh, uh, when abandonment rushes in, all of the books go out of the window. Yep. And, and, and if the Lord said... Um, it's not banners, just lie on the floor, prostrate yeah. for... Prostrate. Next, prostrate. Let's just be careful. Prostrate. Prostrate. <laughs> prostrate. Let's not go into the other uh, examination. Um, <clears throat> and if you lay flat with your face down and, and mm-hmm. wept, mm-hmm. and that is also a sign of abandonment and yes. the Lord would rush in and do something mighty. But I think the... For me, Stace, and you've articulated it so well and given us a sneak peek of the behind the scenes. As someone who witnessed that moment, I was so proud of our church Yeah. also. So yes. as the leader got up and said, we're going this way, mm-hmm. the church didn't go all up in arms like, oh, that is, that is mm-hmm. the red line. We won't go there. Mm-hmm. The church went all in. <laughs> And it brought in the power and presence of God into that place mm-hmm. uh, and it was powerful. You want to know what our current instruction is about the banners and the flags? Get them in every service every week. Amen. <laughs> That's if brilliant. You, if you need an extra pair of hands, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to take you up on it. You know what is so funny? Like I have moments now where I'm like, what is my life? Because I was online the other day looking at some flags that have been recommended to us, adding up the total and going, oh, we want red for this moment. We want white for this moment. Oh, let's get a blue one that symbolizes the Holy Spirit. I was like, what is my life? I don't know, but I love it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. We're ruined, Stacey. We're ruined. Totally ruined. And as humans, Joe, we tend to find our sense of safety and rules and nice, neat, systematic little boxes. And God actually designed our brains that way to find shortcuts through systems. So to allow the Holy Spirit to be the guest of honour in our midst has Mm -hmm. meant we have had to reconcile that the Spirit blows where it wishes, we can hear its sound, but we Mm -hmm. do not know where it's come from and we don't know where it's going. All we can do is set our sails to the wind and follow and choose not to be in fear. Or if we do feel that holy fear of the Lord, Mm -hmm. to be like Moses and step in anyway. And it's really interesting because if our sails are too rigid, the mast will snap and if we have no tension at all in the sail, we'll be stationary. That's so it. this has been a real dance for us. 
So I want to ask you, what has it looked like for the pastoral team? Because the prophetic pillar, we've just been all up in the river. But what's it been like for you guys to follow the Spirit in this season? Good question. Um, I think in the past season before and even in the lead up to coming out of lockdowns, re-entering into 2022. So 2022 would be a year where we would just get some boots on the ground, runs on the board and get some traction in terms of what we called the objectives or the goals for the year. And what the things, uh, I mean, goals and objectives are not bad in themselves, but Mm -hmm. the thing is they became the golden calf and we were trying to achieve them and we were trying to build them. (laughs) And when revival broke out, we're like, do I contribute towards the goal or do I contribute yes. towards being a, a a flaming piece of coal in the furnace? Mm-hmm. And so we had to make a choice. And, and I think how, and I commend, and I'm proud of my team, yeah. and I commend them because we got there, we got to a completely different place, not because I asked them to or I said you shall do this but it's because that's been the individual sum total I mean the the sum total journeys of every single person having the same encounters that I'm having and how they responded to that when God invites me to the banquet table I respond to the invitation Mm -hmm. as a leader Mm -hmm. but that also means my team have to respond to their individual invitation to come to the table yes and so that means we've all abandoned goals and objectives and we've made him the prize. We've mm-hmm. made him the possession. And in a season like this, even at the start of this year, we didn't have any goals. Mm-hmm. We asked the Lord, what is on your heart, Lord? Mm-hmm. What is on your heart? And he said two things, host revival, mm-hmm. be a good host of revival mm-hmm. and make disciples. Yeah. So as a team, Everything we do, everything we plan, everything we invest time, resource, and energy towards mm-hmm. must pass the litmus test of does it host revival? Does it build a cultural revival? Does it reflect a cultural revival? And two, uh, one of the greatest evidence of revival is reformation in your community mm-hmm. by disciples being made. Mm-hmm. So and, and so we partner to just these two things and and we serve these two things that are on God's heart and we've mm-hmm. made. And so be it in our kids' space, you know, we, we've taken some things out and we've taken the 10-point plan out and we say, <laughs> no, we want our kids to experience that. And mm-hmm. we've had some amazing encounters and mm-hmm. testimonies from that space. Our pastoral mm-hmm. catch-ups is another area that has changed. Pastoral catch-ups are usually very draining. So if you're out there and working in a pastoral team anywhere in the world, I salute you. You will have a a unique place in heaven and (laughs) we will be in one um, accord rejoicing with you for all you're you're doing in your ministry. But what that has meant is the fear of man has left. Pre-fear of man being broken, pre-revival, we would sit there and we're trying to be nice and we're trying to be really massaging or tenderizing Mm. this situation. But when revival happened, what happened to Peter? Mm. Peter confronted Ananias and Sapphira and said, this is what the evil is, this is what the issue is, and this is how the Lord will deal with it. Mm. And that is brutal. Yep. So Pentecost is... Mm. 
a, a defining red line of what is before in religion mm-hmm. and what comes after the fire of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And so for us, even as a team, we now don't sit around and pander to, okay, this is the formula. Let's have 10 coffee catch-ups so people will open up. No, we're setting our sails to the wind of the spirit. Mm-hmm. We see it, we call it out, and we declare it. And you know what? This breakthrough in five minutes. Yes, it's so good, Joe. There's even been things like seasons where we haven't done life groups because we want mm-hmm. everyone at a revival night beholding and being transformed, which yeah. does half the work for us. Yeah. And then there's also been, I know you've really had on your heart some changes of what life groups could look like. So when you're gathering yeah. in a life group, you're not a social club. You, no. you need to pray and you need to open the word because revival yep. can break out in a home too, can't it? Yeah. And and as you can see, one of the things that has happened in our church, the number of baptisms, and this mm. is a fruit of what's happening in our revival, mm. in, in our life groups. Um, I was going to call them revival groups, which they are. <laughs> they are. Um, <clears throat> the number of baptisms happening is increasing yes. every year. Yes. But the number of salvation responses at the altar mm-hmm. are flatlined. Mm-hmm. And so you ask the question, so where are all these people getting mm-hmm. saved? And mm-hmm. the answer to that question is people are no longer subcontracting their pastors to lead the altar call on a Sunday Come on. and bringing their friend to be saved in a church service. They're getting saved in their workplaces. They're getting saved in their living rooms, in their dorms, in their colleges, on a park bench. Mm. And so people are doing what the New Testament was always designed to do. Yes. And yes, they're bringing their friends for a public demonstration of obedience in baptism. So Mm. salvations haven't gone down or flatlined, but it's happening outside the church building. Oh, this is the dream. (laughs) <laughs> and our life groups are at the forefront and the cutting edge of that. So yeah, very proud beautiful. of that. I mean, we've had Uber drivers who are bringing yep. people to revival nights get mm-hmm. saved. It's yes. just magnificent. Beautiful. You know, Joe, another thing that we'll talk about, it'll come up a lot throughout this series, is that there's a real refining work that happens in the fire of revival. All the mm-hmm. dross comes to the surface, all the impurities. In what ways has the Spirit led you and the team to steward this during revival? I think... Uh, talk personally of Mm. of me I have this big sense of justice Mm. so being right and and correcting wrong is a Mm. big used to be a big focus Mm. (laughs) in the last 11 months the work that the Lord has done my heart is Mm. being at peace with God is far greater than being right or wrong that's right Joe so and as I have and, and so my team has now looking at a leader who used to champion right or wrong sense of justice and let's go march. No, that's not right. We should fix this to going, no, I'd rather bask in the presence of God. Mm. And that's been an impurity in my own heart because being right or wrong mattered more because it's Mm. about my scorecard. Mm. That doesn't matter anymore. That's gone in the bin. That's shredded (laughs) into a gazillion pieces. And so for the team as well, for them, serving the big picture, serving the vision, serving, there's there's a, a bigger surrender and sacrifice to laying their lives down as, as a living sacrifice. And the impurities, and that's just one impurity. Mm-hmm. There's impurities of speech, thought, action, feelings, harboring things, letting go of things. Mm-hmm. And you cannot be in the flame mm-hmm. 
and not expect impurities to be consumed, fully gone. Mm -hmm. And some things will just go off by itself. Mm -hmm. You you would look for it and never be found. Mm -hmm. And they just burn up, they fully consume. Mm -hmm. Other impurities you will need to part, partner with the Holy Spirit. Yes. If there's an invitation, son, daughter, that attitude and that behavior doesn't belong in this culture. Mm. Now we have a choice. We have a choice and we always have a choice in, mm. you know, in the invitations of God. And mm. so it's about partnering and participating. And I see personally and the team, we've mm. responded well to that call and, and that, that invitation of God. Oh, you really have, Joe. Your team is incredible and so are you. And I think that would be one of the biggest things that the Lord's done in me. There's come times throughout this season where the Lord has said to me, Stacey, do you want to be pure or do you want to be right? Because yep. I can't actually use you in this season if you're impure. So mm -hmm. if you'd rather be right, that's okay. Absolutely. But you're going to forfeit your ability to be used during this season. Wow. And so there are times it just doesn't matter to defend yourself. There's That's times right. it doesn't matter to be heard or just to be right about things that just don't matter. Yep. It's more important to stay pure. And yep. I think that's brought even a level of unity and not false mm. unity, true yep. unity, because it's not just agreeance. It's like hmm, it doesn't actually matter if we agree yep. on that or not. We agree on the big things. Let's just yes. move on. That's it. Isaiah 43, 19, Joe, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How have you learned to facilitate the new thing rather than clinging to the old thing? Hmm. Over the last uh, one year, I must uh, let me build a foundation mm. or, or a premise for this uh, mm. conversation. Uh, I came into this role on the day the lockdowns, the national lockdowns, the nationwide lockdowns of Australia was announced. Mm -hmm. For the next two years, no one left the country, no one flew into the country. Mm. Our state borders, even our, we couldn't even leave a five-kilometer radius. And that had a lot of needs mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. thrust a lot of needs. So mm -hmm. the pastoral pillar of any church will be the largest interface mm. between people with people. Mm -hmm. So there will be a lot of needs and there will be a lot of demands of your mm -hmm. time and energy and resources. Mm. And I and I think I've shared this with you over a dinner some time mm. ago, is being in that environment for two years where my phone would buzz in the middle of the night, in the middle of mm -hmm. a weekend, and there's an emergency mm. and very few pastors had the permit to go respond to that, mm. meant this habit had formed in me where I would get anxious mm. even after the lockdowns and everything was over when my phone busted at 8 p.m or 9 p.m I would be startled yes because it was my flesh's or wow. my body's natural natural yeah. response mm -hmm. and so from that setting when revival broke out the first thing that God helped me chart a new course and go in a new direction was and and he solidified that even in this conference and mm. it's refined and distilled uh, to two things that I want to share with you guys today. Mm. First thing is be led by the spirit, yep. not by the needs. Good job. And that means I will have to disappoint people. I will have mm. to turn down certain 
mm-hmm. invitations or I will have to say no to not getting there today, but maybe mm-hmm. whenever I get time to do it. Mm-hmm. And so being led by the Spirit. So that's the first thing he asked me to do, be led by the Spirit. Second thing he asked me to do is be laid down in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So that is a heightened awareness of what is the cost, the 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 call to obedience and the call to sacrifice. Mm. My will, my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, my leadership paradigm, mm. the good idea that I have, everything must be laid down and surrendered. And at times these two things look two polar opposites, being led by the spirit and being laid down in the flesh. Mm. Once you lay down something in the flesh, it's almost like dead weight. It's not moving anywhere. Mm. It's like an anchor. You've just mm. dropped its dead weight. But being led by the spirit is you're a kite, you go where the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. And I and I when I wrestled with it, I felt like the Lord was saying, Look at my son, Jesus. You know, both divinity and humanity in one package. Mm-hmm. Surely there is an opposite in it, but mm-hmm. it coexisted. And I am at more at peace now more than ever before, not to be this or that, but mm-hmm. both and. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the new thing that the Lord is teaching me, you know, just following him, every meeting, every strategy, every ministry objective, everything we invest time, energy and resource to must be led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. But if the Lord asks me to do something, I'm also laid down in the flesh that I've let go of my will to, you know, my objective and my rights and my leadership style. It's laid down. It's dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joe, that is so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I think you've heard me share that I recently had a vision, was laying on the floor of the auditorium, as you mm. do sometimes in long services. Sometimes, <laughs> to be honest, it's like, I'm just going to have a micro nap. Yeah. <laughs> but in this moment, actually this vision opened up before me and it was this big whirlwind above the auditorium like a tornado. Mm. What was surprising about it was there was all these cows flying around in it, kind of like the Twister movie. And they were kind of moo as they went past. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then there was some golden ones as well. And the Lord Mm. said to me, I'm removing sacred cows and golden calves from my church. And one of the sacred cows was the run sheet. Another Mm. was clocks. Another was programs based on principles of the leadership of the world or the culture of the world, the spirit of the world. There were Mm. many, many. And I actually realized that I had some sacred cows and I had some golden calves. Mm -hmm. And Exodus 19 talks about how when the Lord came on the mountain in this incredible corporate encounter, there was an earthquake, there was fire, there was smoke, his voice sounded like thunder. And the people were like, oh, no, we're not going into that cloud. Moses, you go Mm -hmm. on our behalf because we're freaked Mm -hmm. out. Yep. Moses was like, don't freak out. His presence coming like this is meant to help make us holy, to prevent us from sinning. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we're not about it. So Moses went in on his own. Moses gets so transformed that he glows with the purity of the Lord. Mm. They stay at a distance and then they make themselves a golden calf to worship in place of the Lord. And I think because without meaning to, Mm -hmm. because the church has been led for the last little while by principles Mm. of the world that have kept us at a distance from God, we've actually created some golden calves within the church, things like we worship the worship. And we worship the way worship's meant to look. There's a whole bunch of things that could be in there. And I hadn't even been aware that I was worshipping these golden calves Mm -hmm. until this season. 
Have you discovered, Joe, that you've had any sacred cows? Oh, yes. I had a herd of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think, um, and I'll talk about the herd of cows that I had Hmm. that's gone flying out of the window is um, I... My profession, you mentioned earlier, I was an engineer. I love coloring within the boxes, Stacey. <laughs> and this season, I, and I had neat lines and I had a plan for a plan. Yeah. I was organized. I took great pride in all my inbox. There are no more than three unread emails. I've responded to everything. I've I've been all things to all men and I have mm. responded to everything. And I have, mm. you know, a five-star customer rating, mm. right? And that's all gone. <laughs> that's all gone. And and that's continuously being dismantled. And there are mm-hmm. elements of it that still need to be dismantled. But uh, I have broken more expectations and let more people down and said no to more things this year than I have done in the last 10 years. Yeah. And, and they were not, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I'm just, um, not doing any work and just not responding intentionally yeah, in to revival, people. you don't have to answer emails. <laughs> <laughs> I but wish. It's, but it's, it's the priorities. Yes. What are the priorities? Mm-hmm. Host revival, make disciples. And that's my yeah. priorities. Yeah. That's, that's what the Lord called me to do and I'm serving that and that's serving the vision of the house mm-hmm. and, and that is serving the vision of my leaders and, and mm-hmm. being submissive and sub you know, subservient to that. Mm-hmm. And 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 while in pursuit of that, that which delights the Lord's heart, mm-hmm. that means all my boxes are falling out off the shelf. <laughs> and it's it's a mess. It is a glorious mess. It's a control chaos. And I think those sacred the things that you took pride. Yes. Uh, you know, and long after I left the aviation industry, I still have people ringing me to ask questions about the systems that I put in place, (laughs) the structures that I put in place that serve the organization so beautifully. Mm. And you hear that and you're like, ha, 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 you have to look at my life now. Mm. And there's a time and a season for that. Yes. But revival means any... When you light a fire, when you light a bonfire, you can't negotiate what goes up in flames or not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what part of the meat or what part of the sacrifice is burned or not. You can't. And Mm. this is a word for someone out there. It's usually the fat that catches fire. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's the excess that catches Mm -hmm. a flame. It is the excess that goes up in flames first. And um, I hope that sets someone free. And so, it's setting me free. <laughs> I need it in the natural. I've taken it in the spiritual. Praise the Lord. Yep. You know, Joe, listening to your talk, it's so inspiring because, yeah, I'm a bit the same. Love my systems and processes and love to know how to win. And that's all out the window. We've got a whole episode coming up on the mess of revival. It's my specialty now, mess. But you're practically Nadia Common each. You're so <laughs> flexible. It's straight tens all around, my friend. What would you say, Joe, to the person who genuinely desires a move of God but they struggle with change? Yep. (laughs) That is a really important question to be answered. And I think to any person who is listening 
to this question or has this question and mm -hmm. struggling with that, allow me to introduce you to two people in the Bible, David and Paul. Mm -hmm. In and of themselves, they didn't initiate any change. Mm -hmm. They were in, they were purely following the convictions of their heart. But when a call of God gripped them and took them by force, mm -hmm. they lost their ability to control the outcomes of their mm -hmm. life for till the day they died. Now, David, for example, if he had, if God had not intervened in his life and called him to lead his flock, mm -hmm. he would have continued to be a shepherd boy and a shepherd and become a senior shepherd and would mm -hmm. have just continued with a normal life and legacy. But when the Lord took possession of his life, this teenager lost his ability to dictate the outcomes of his life. What yes. followed next is for the next decades of his life, he was tossed to in various seasons, hiding, mm -hmm. running, battle, engaged in this repentance, brokenness, mm -hmm. beholding, mm -hmm. worship, prophecy, uh, intimacy, mm -hmm. being broken, uh, humility. And, and through all of those seasons, David embraced all of that change because he remained in the hands of the unchanging one. Mm, so good. Same thing with Paul. He was doing the right thing in his heart. He, was, he wanted the ways of God to be preserved rather than this new cult from consuming <laughs> the Jewish faith. Mm. And he was doing that which was right in his eyes and from a genuine place. Mm. But his heart was gripped by a divine vision. He had an encounter with the Lord. Yes. And then for the next decades of his life, he's mostly a prisoner, being shipwrecked. In fact, 2 Corinthians 11, he, mm -hmm. he goes on to give a long list yep. of sufferings and embarrassments yep. and humiliations and changes, shipwrecked and this and that, the other, that he lists down as changes that he not necessarily wanted to see in his life. Mm -hmm. But he embraced and thrived above them all because he remained in the hands of the unchanging one. Yes. And because they are forefathers of revival. Mm -hmm. Both David and Paul saw revival and they were revived. Truly their hearts were revived. Mm -hmm. And they longed for their people and their nations and their, their spiritual sons and daughters to be revived. Mm -hmm. When you grip the true essence of revival, you're captivated by the, the strong hands of the unchanging one. Mm -hmm. And you see and you ca catch a vision of how the unchanging one Mm. The the ancient of days who is the same yesterday, today, and forever holding you. Mm. And when you get a grip and a vision of that, you say to any season of change, come at me. <laughs> and, and you're ready to flex in whichever direction because you are anchored to the unchanging yes. one. Yes. Yeah, you're not putting any of your sense of security in anything that's temporal. That's it's it. all in the eternal one. You know, I think, Joe, I reflect on the changes even in our worship team only four years ago we would have on our run sheets the exact minutes and seconds that our tracks were going to go for per song. Mm -hmm. So we knew our services second by second. Whereas now we choose one song. Our worship goes for up to an hour. We choose one song. Yep. And then we just see where the Holy Spirit wants to go. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. the best. I mean, it the Lord's the done that in such a short period of time. So, Joe, say with me. The only F word you'll ever say or hear on this podcast. Are you ready? Flex. Stay flexible. Flex. <laughs> I can see this is going to become the ad for this podcast. 
So, Joe, on that flexible note, yep. can you please pray for our listeners as we wrap up this Revival Reflection episode? Awesome. My honour to do that. Let's pray. Father, I ask that every person, every brother and sister who is hearing this word and this tuning in to listen to us right now, mm. your hands would minister to them. Mm. Your face would yes. be revealed before them. Yes, Lord. And when we, those who look to your face, they're never put to shame. That's they're right. radiant. And that's not just an, a thing and an experience that only Moses could have. Mm. But Father, it is surely written for us that we with unveiled faces behold your face mm. and we look to you face to face. And Lord, I ask that in this season, to every single person listening to this, you would give them a flexible spirit, a spirit to flex to the wind of the spirit. Mm. And I ask, let every burden be lifted up and, and be gone in the name of Jesus. Mm. Every mountain, we come against it and we declare, you will move from here and be cast into the middle of the sea. And I ask, Lord, reason why we do this is so that we can shout your fame yes, Lord. and proclaim your name uh, even through a space like this. So God, I ask that near, far and wide, let this go to the ends of the earth and to every single person listening to this. Let them have an encounter with the reviver. Mm. Let them have an encounter with the Holy Spirit who revives dead things and brings them to life. Yes. And I thank you, Lord, that to every city and to every home and to every heart that tunes into this, let revival break out. And, and let it fan into flame, a passion for your name wherever they are. We bless them and we ask God's favor to lead them into flexing everywhere they are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Weird flex, as my boys would say. <laughs> hey, next week's episode, listeners, you're going to make sure, you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed so it drops straight into your downloaded items because next week we're going to talk about how do you sustain a move of God? How do you sustain an outpouring? I'm going to give you the golden key to sustaining, and it might surprise you what it is. How do you sustain 55 million hours in the presence and 55 billion revival meetings? Well, I'm going to tell you. So make sure you don't miss it. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you again, Joe. Bye. God bless you guys. 